0: Hi everyone, Ryan here. Long-time listeners will know that if I'm starting off an episode with a disclaimer that something probably went wrong in the audio department, that is the case this time. Without getting into too many details, I just want to say first off, sorry. I try my best to keep it good, and sometimes I make mistakes. Number two, if you want... You can just pretend that uh, I added a layer of 90s overdrive distortion to match the feelings of the movie. It's your choice. You can look at it any way you like. So without further ado, it's time for episode 104, Fight Club. X-rated movies. This is a podcast by two guys who used to date and now they don't. My name is Ryan Whedon. My name is Matt Fisher. If you can't tell, we have the
1: animosity of a freshly broken up couple. We've maintained it through all these
0: decades. <laughs> by the way, I'm still looking <laughs> for that Noy record that I let you borrow. Noy? Isn't that some sort of pizza demon that you're supposed to avoid? A, that's the Noid and... B, now you're annoying me. Okay, uh, what was the
1: medium that your annoy album was on? Tape, CD, record, or did you lend me a USB port with it on
0: there? It was a vinyl record with a vinyl piece of vinyl that had the download code on it. <laughs> See, I already know that you're lying.
1: Having not owned a turntable during the... Days that we dated, the dozen handful the, of yeah, days, the fifteen plus days that we dated. I'm confident that you did not loan me a piece of vinyl. So you must How have about me that Full
0: body suit made out of vinyl, huh? You must have me confused
1: with one of your other gentleman dumpers. <laughs>
0: Gentleman Dumpers is a Smash Brothers character, <laughs> if I ever heard one. Uh, but no, the full-body vinyl suit I still use. so I'm still borrowing it. You'll get it back one day. I mean, you just have to rinse it off. It's not even like a soap situation. Well, I mean, I take it in the shower every day. Oh. It's like I suit up to get in the shower. That's your fetish. I also
1: d- go to yoga in it. Mm. Hot You're yoga. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean hot yoga. <laughs> <laughs> the, the suit isn't really all that it can be unless you have the vinyl mask on which oddly enough is not good for skiing mm. but it is good for other physical exertion
0: okay so hot yoga we've yeah. got um showering showering what are, not skiing what are some other uh, physical activities that are good for that vinyl full body suit uh, bob sledding. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The luge, probably, I assume.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how the, they don't show it in cool runnings, but that's how those Jamaican bobsledders got as far as they did. Oh. Full vinyl bodysuits. <laughs> the sweat just like lubricates the tubes, the ah. ice tubes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is the technical term for what you're slowing down. <laughs> well,
0: what's the technical term for the sled?
1: The sleddy thing.
0: Oh. <laughs> So, in bobsledding, the sleddy thing goes down the ice tube. Ice tube, yeah. Got it. I came in bronze in the
1: semifinals for the Washington State-King County Bobsledders Junior Association team tryouts. That so is I'm, a
0: stiff competition. <laughs> I'm sort of an authority on the subject. I see your trophy uh, sitting over there. Not as big as i would predict it to be but a common complaint from you yes from all those words it doesn't seem like that could fit on the on the little well, well they had to part. abbreviate it would you uh, care to uh, tell me what that abbreviation is
1: well i mean you know how it looks like it says like female golfers second tier king county redmond links okay that's actually just an acronym
0: for those things you said previously <laughs> sure okay i believe you i have no reason not to i have a pretty sterling
1: record of being truthful to you
0: yeah i mean i've i know this is all a revelation that you know you didn't know
1: that i was a champion bobsledder that you know me and like john candy were best buddies and he like coached me to bobsledding gold (laughs)
0: Lori. there's so much about you i don't know of competitive sports I feel like today's movie is a little competitive today's movie being the
1: 1999 cult classic fight club in my continuing saga to poke Ryan in the eye oh father you're so Ah! I've chosen another movie a well-known well-appreciated film that Ryan for whatever reason does not like now Before you start, in the previous chapter of this ongoing drama, you wanted me to, like, make my case for the movie. I would like to
0: continue that in this chapter.
1: So, this one, it's a little bit of an awkward position for me. You've been in those before. (laughs) (laughs) Because... I'm not a big proponent of this movie. With single man, that's a movie that I genuinely love and adore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, like that one, I felt like I could just like one two you on. Okay. mm -hmm. This is a movie that I think is very, very good, but also overrated. Okay. So I'm a little bit more referee in this. Like I'll be refereeing myself. Like I'll be playing (laughs) devil's advocate. Let's say. Sure. Uh, I understand why people think it's great, and I just don't agree with them. But to say that it's not good, as some redheaded parties will make you think you believe, I can't go that far either. So I'll be sort of Switzerland in this situation. So I'm going to lay
0: out an argument for you, and then we can go at it, gloves off, all a fight club. Okay, real fast. Are you laying out things that you believe are good about the movie, or are these things that just you've read on the internet are good about this movie? Like, I want to know if it's these pers- that you personally think are good about it, or if that's just it's like, going to be more consensus. About,
1: personally, I think that it's good, okay. or that I can see, like, I sympathize why other people think that it's good. Okay, I'll start us out by saying that. You know, last season we did like a large margin-inspired season of like films that informed my childhood. This more than any other movie informed my teenage years. Okay, like when I was like fifteen, sixteen, like this is the movie I watched more than anything else from this time period. Like Fight Club was like that, you know, sort of risque adult movie that like jettisoned me from like juvenile humor of like your Austin Powers that sort of thing into like firmly like adult territory I'm sorry
0: (laughs) I'm sorry this is the movie you experienced on that verge of adulthood I mean
1: there was like a summer where like this was like in the vhs player at least once a day Mm. like i didn't like sit down and actively watch it but like it was on like while i played starcraft or this was on while i played the sims or this was on while i did homework or you know (laughs) uh what's that third one never played that game (laughs) this was a seminal film in my teenage years and i watch it now i'm like oh shit that's not good yeah my first point of order and this comes from genuine, like as in I watched this
0: earlier today and I still feel this way. Formally, this is a great movie. I will concede that it is a very well-made movie. Technically David Fincher Unparalleled. This is a great movie. If, it if we, made technically.
1: If, if we say that like someone like Daniel Day-Lewis is an actor with a capital A, this is
0: like David Fincher is a director with a capital D. Yeah, He does a great job in the directing department. I 100% agree with that. And it's 100% a David Fincher film. Mm-hmm. There's no mistaking who made this movie. There's like big set pieces the way that the camera roves
1: into the back of the white van that has all the explosives in it
2: we have front row seats for this theater of mass destruction the demolitions committee of project mayhem wrapped the foundation columns of a dozen buildings with blasting gelatin in two minutes primary charges will blow base charges and a few square blocks will be reduced to smoldering rubble
0: the use of color the use of costume design the use of production design like there's no mistaking this is a david fincher joint 100 i did have a little problems with the color coding it's a little dark
1: yeah, the, sometimes w- the version could... i
0: watched i don't know
1: if... no the, the i watched it on blu-ray and i was like sometimes i can't see what's going on yeah okay thought that was just me but good to know uh, but i mean it wasn't every time and he does contrast it like in the office it's very like bright whites whereas like in the fight club or any shot at night it's very dark yeah. but like when like Marla Singer's like walking across the street and like cars are about to hit her, I'm like, those cars are so dark, like I can only tell that they're there by their headlights.
0: Yeah, especially at the beginning, it's it's a little too dark. I agree with you.
1: The other part of me is like, this was nineteen ninety
0: nine, like other than the Matrix, this was like the other big, like
1: cult forming classic I'm of the year. I'm so
0: glad you brought up the Matrix because we're it's I think the two movies are very like, of their time, but bring up similar issues.
1: Stylistically, like, both of them sort of have the same sort of color template. Like, Matrix obviously went, like, with its black and grays, it also went with, like, greens. Heavy right. on greens there. And there's some uh, green in this movie. There's some green in this, but there's also, like, a little bit of blue, a little bit of, like, kind of a faded wash blue, mm-hmm. I guess, in some of the scenes. Blue gray. Steely gray. V- yeah, steely. Yeah, that that's a good way to put it. Also, very similar soundtrack, like distinctively, mm-hmm. like that late Dust 90s. Dust Brothers
0: versus Propeller Heads, go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the soundtrack in this movie, no, I'm not gonna I, lie. This, the soundtrack
1: also made me nostalgic for like staying up to like 3 a.m. in high school, like playing video games over like 56K modem. Mm-hmm. But on it, like, I don't know if it's just me or if it actually was better music late 90s electronica was kind of fun
0: yeah i like it too I, originally apparently he was trying to get radiohead to do the soundtrack to this and mm. they were just like too beat from doing okay computer mm. so like dust brothers was his next choice okay and i think that was a s- better choice tbh like they just had something to prove number mm. one and i think they really stepped up and uh it just Feels unique and it feels very specific to this movie and of its time in a good way. Mm -hmm. So I like it. I think Dust Brothers was a good choice for this. Yeah,
2: I
1: I really like it because Dust Brothers, like, I know they had produced like a Beck album before this, but like hadn't really like carved out a place for themselves Mm -hmm. in like music or producing spheres. And this kind of, like, gave them the platform for this. And I really think they did a good
0: job. And also David Fincher, uh, we should mention, big music video director. Directed Vogue. A lot of the 80s, yeah. A lot of Paula Abdul videos, did a bunch of stuff in the 90s and 80s. Like, so he knows music. He he also
1: knows how image and sound can really complement each other. Sure, 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 sure. He has a very good understanding of, like, one isn't greater than the other. One complements the other. Yeah, they
0: all work together and uh, works well in this movie. Mm -hmm.
1: So, formally, I really like it. I also think that Fincher does a very good job of capturing Chuck Palahniuk's, if I'm pronouncing the author's name correctly. Do not ask me. (laughs) Some of his, like, more poetic moments
2: if i did have a tumor i'd name it marla marla the little scratch on the roof of your mouth that would heal if only you could stop tonguing it but you can't
1: that paints a very vivid picture and it's an accurate one like you know exactly what is meant by that like marla would go away if he could stop thinking about her so working in Palinux flavorful language was smart. I read the book in high school too. like oh. Because I liked the, the movie so much, I read the book. Okay. Um, I've heard the movie is very faithful to the book. For the most part, yeah. I'm going to say like 85% yeah. Okay. I definitely remember in the book, there's like a part where the narrator's like chasing Marla around a kitchen table with a knife. But having the metaphors like, The way that they're displayed in the movie I think does justice to the book better than the book does justice to it. Okay. Like, the language is just really put on display in a really nice fashion in the movie. My problem with the movie that only really gets worse with age, and I don't know if I'm just becoming more conservative, but this really has, like, a dense collection of things
0: that I hate as a philosophy (laughs) – I just want to put a pause on your problems with the movie before I get into why I don't like the movie. Okay.
1: The big things that I like about the movie are, like, the formal construction of it.
0: Because I think that David Fincher, like, constructed the movie very well. It's a two-hour-plus movie that... I don't want to say it doesn't feel like it, because it feels like a long movie, but I'm not... It earns it, I guess I should say. Like, it earns its two-hour, 15-minute running time, whatever. Like, Mm you would maybe cut out some of the first half hour. But, like, honestly, it needs everything to tell this story. So, I give it that.
1: Yeah, like, watching the movie, there's nothing that I would say, like, oh, you cut this out. Like, there's no fat
0: to this movie Except what you use to make soap. To make soap. First we render fat.
1: Or the fat that was like burned in the car accident. The father must have been you. Did you see where the fat's burned to the seat with the polyester shirt? I watched this movie. I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it shortly after and I really liked it. And I was like, Oh my god And I like was saying like to my stepdad and my mom, like, we all need to watch this movie. Why? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Together. (laughs) Yeah, no, like I was like, We all have to watch it together. So like I put it on, we were all watching it. And my stepdad like got up and left. And it's like not like he was like a timid conservative soul. Oh, no. But it was the scene where Brad Pitt is being like beaten by Lou. <laughs> you don't
2: know where I've been, Lou. Oh, my God. <laughs> you don't know where I've been. Oh, no.
1: My <laughs> stepdad just got up and left. He's like, I don't want to watch this oh, anymore.
0: Can't take an AIDS joke. Oh, is that what it was? I assume. Because I just thought it was a general bloodborne illness oh, sort of well, thing. What other are, are there in the nineties? Hepatitis I mean. <laughs> Sure. I'm sure that's what people were worried about in the nineties. Well, uh, I mean, still, like You're right. Maybe Lou was like well enough informed to realize that you can't get AIDS from swallowing someone's blood and then ni- well, in I, was, I was I was gonna say, like, y- you know,
1: blood exposed to air the likelihood of getting hiv from that is very low
0: where the likelihood of getting like hepatitis c from blood that's even been exposed to air is still very good right so i mean honestly we don't know a lot about lou but maybe lou is very informed on recent (laughs) medical uh, developments so that's possible that he was scared of hepatitis c and not hiv so that's fair i I don't know we don't know enough about lou to to determine it also could just be
1: made up syphilis (laughs) or chlamydia or anything like that fair don't make it all about you ryan
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i mostly just wanted to talk about that because like there's so much homoeroticism in this movie oh a lot like i'm getting a boner thinking about it okay if you've laid out all your case i'm ready to uh rebut slash not rebut yeah go for it go for it rebut to your heart's content this was a real roller coaster for me. I've seen this movie twice before. Both times. Loved it until the scene where he gets on the bus with where Tyler and Jack get on the bus and they see that picture of the Gucci model and they're like, Is that what a man looks like?
2: <laughs> uh, self-improvement is masturbation.
0: And then the very fucking next scene we see Brad Pitt beating up somebody and he stands up and he's got these crazy chiseled abs looking as hot as fuck. And then literally I didn't notice until this time, the next scene is Edward Norton doing (laughs) sit-ups. So it's like, in my mind, those first two times I watched this movie, I was like, well, this movie hasn't completely undermined any integrity it has because now it's saying that like anything Tyler says doesn't matter. And I was like, That's stupid this movie doesn't understand what it's talking about i hate this movie It, it like and then like once he starts building the whole cult and everything i'm like well nothing makes sense anymore what i've realized on this viewing was that i was smart enough to realize that that's a problem but not smart enough to keep analyzing it and realize that that was the point so i think that that was purposeful now on third viewing because I think that that's supposed to point out the fact that Tyler Durden is a creation of Jack the narrator's idea of an Ubermensch, basically an ideal man. And he gets that from advertising. You know, Which would
1: when, make sense considering he's like an Ikea darling.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And so like it's sort of this thing where he's like, I hate that. But I'm also idealizing it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I think that that's actually a clue. And I think that's why Fincher follows that up with, "Hey, look, this idealized version also has abs." And then the next scene is Jack doing sit-ups to get abs. It's like it's all there. Well, I'm gonna piggyback on yours because the scene right before that, or not maybe
1: right before that, but you know, the, enough in our memory before that is when they're talking about
2: this kid from work ricky couldn't remember whether you ordered pens with blue ink or black but ricky was a god for 10 minutes when he trounced the major d of a local food court
1: both of them are like ripped like they both are like slim with like a muscular build and they're fighting each other and like they beat the shit out of each other and then there's like a little scene that happens and then they get on the bus and like is that what a man looks like i'm like well, yeah, kind of. Like, we just saw two <laughs> men fighting that kind of look like that. Like,
0: give or take some body hair. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what they look like. The thing is, is, like, I would see that scene, and I'd be on board with the movie's message or what I thought was the movie's message and tell that scene. And then I was like, well, then everything past this is hypocritical. Like, it's saying something different. And then I realized that, like, that's kind of the point. Every product placement that comes up later... You're like, oh, well, in a movie that's supposed to be about anti-consumerism, why is there so much Pepsi product placement? It's like, oh, because they're trying to say that this is stupid. Like, and I'm going to go one more step from there because, like, in a multi-million dollar movie made by Fox Studios Mm -hmm. is selling this anarchic message. Like, there's problems with that. Like, it's wrong in a lot of ways. And I think that, like, that's where this movie, I have trouble with it. Because it's, like, it's it's so hypocritical. But I also understand that, like, it's trying to sell a hypocritical message. Like, I don't know. I'm, like, it's no, not clear.
1: I, I, I'm with you on that. Because when I was watching this time, I was, like, God, this, like... So I was saying, like, how it's, like, a dense collection of, like, philosophies that I hate. <laughs> One is, like, the toxic masculinity of, like, a fight club. And how, like, men can be men, like, away from, like, consumerism, like, in these, like, dingy basement areas. I'm like, I hate it. Yeah, (laughs) because they can't
0: do it through, like, video games or mosh pits or through sports or something like that. Or just
1: by, like, realizing who they are or, like, having any slight semblance of self-reflection. Yeah, it's bullshit. So I was like, okay, I hate that. I hate hero worship and guruism. Like I hate when people are like lionized the way that Tyler Durden is. Mm-hmm. I also hate anti-consumerism. Like I like stuff. We all like stuff. No. If you don't like subscribe to Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or one of those things, then like you're probably also not listening to podcasts.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like so,
1: f- fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, you know, the the sort of like grocery store buddhism thing of anti-consumerism like i hate that like yeah if you want to be in like a true sense like anti-material possession that's all well and dandy but don't go on this like capitalist binge of like making soap and selling it to people
0: well and then there's also that element of like not being a sheep And just like buying into consumerism, but these people buying into into, Tyler Durden. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that was the thing I realized on this watch was that like Tyler Durden's the bad guy.
1: Well, so this is where like the roller
0: coaster comes in because I really feel
1: like everything about this movie is selling like this like collection of philosophies that I hate until a certain point in which Ed Norton's character, you know, Jack, the narrator starts rebelling against me. He's like, no, we can't kill all these people. Like, Oh no, we have to save Marla and things like that. And like, Oh, then we're seeing some resistance to these things. Like, Oh, untethered masculinity has gone too far.
0: Oh, this like, but it kind anarchist. of undersells that message. I kind of does. Yeah. It,
1: like I see it. Like when I watch it this time, I'm like, that's not what I picked up when I watched this obsessively as a teenager.
0: Right, they, there wouldn't be people starting fight clubs across the country if that message was stronger. Like, people see this movie and they're like, yeah, I should be kicking other guys' asses!
1: Exactly, because, like, with... Uh, it's a common complaint of Taxi Driver that it sort of uh, romanticizes or highlights that brand of masculinity. Yeah. And it's like, when I watch Taxi Driver, I'm like, oh, no, this is really critical, of that type yeah. of masculinity or that type of like good guyism where like he thinks that he's doing good whereas with Fight Club like yeah, Ed Norton is sort of fighting against it, but it doesn't come across that like he's
0: actually the good guy in this. It's the equivalent of like saying anarchy is good. Not. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the other philosophy. Anarchy, I fucking
1: hate anarchists. <laughs>
0: They love their rules in this movie anyway.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. I saw a documentary years ago about, like, people who live on communes, Mm. which are supposed to be, like, you know, just these egalitarian societies. They had more fucking rules than any government (laughs) I've ever seen. Yeah. But, no, I, I mean, it's the same thing here where it's, like, yeah, they're supposed to be anarchists, but it's, like, anarchists as long as you have unquestionable loyalty to this one person. Yeah. With this movie, because the way that it presents, like, this hyper-masculine, anarchist, Buddhist, late-stage capitalist... In 1999, we weren't even at nine eleven yet. There's so many instances where, like, they blow up a piece of corporate art that also destroys a coffee chain. Yeah. Uh, There's that
0: whole, like, scene where... Edward Norton is talking about being an office shooter that like
2: felt really uncomfortable this time around. I'd be very, very careful who you talk to about that because the person who wrote that is dangerous.
1: There were so many instances that were like, if this movie were made today, this would be called domestic terrorism. Yeah. But because it was made in 1999, like, they call it vandalism. Like, when they do, like, the smiley face and, like, blow really? out. Really? Yeah, oh, they wow. called it vandalism. We
0: believe this is one of many recent acts of vandalism around the city, somehow related to underground
2: boxing clubs.
1: They blew out the windows and, like, did a big smiley face on the side of a building. Like, no, that's terrorism. Yeah. Yeah. So I there's, but that's why I brought up that it was like made in 1999. Like this was a pre nine 11 America. It was different times, but at the same time, like I look at it, I'm like, Ooh,
0: some of the stuff hasn't aged well. Yeah. And I think that is a problem with this movie where even though on third watch, I can see what was going on. And actually like if you look for the clues, it's there i think it's too maybe sophisticated for a general viewer yeah like i think this is the reason we have like maga caps <laughs> like this is this movie is the reason that people say snowflake as an insult
2: enough, maggots. you are not special you are not
0: I don't know if you've listened to s-town yet or not but nah. it's like that's also there's like a similar vibe running through that where it's like well if everything is shit and i'm not interesting then like nobody is and so that becomes like i don't know it, it just seems like it, it's pervaded into this toxic masculinity idea of like oh you're so what makes you so special and it's like it's not special it's just that like everybody needs to be elevated Mm. you know what i mean like it's just such a cynical idea
1: yeah and inside this movie it's like you know no one has a name in project mayhem but in death they have a name which Mm -hmm. sort of uh what is it hagiography is that the term where you, you lionize the dead. Mm-hmm. I think it is hagiography. But it's when someone dies, like, suddenly they're a saint. Mm. Even if they weren't. Mm-hmm. So, like, Robert Paulson, played by Meatloaf. A.K.A. Uh, bitch Tits. Bitch Tits. He dies, and suddenly he's a hero. Yeah. But no one thought he was a hero until, like, someone pointed it out.
0: Yeah. That moment really drives home the cult idea of oh, this yeah. place.
2: His name is Robert Paulson. Come on, guys, His please. Stop it. His name, His name is Robert Paulson. His name Shut is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. This is all over His with! His name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert
1: Paulson. In my search for redeeming qualities in this movie, I try and think that like all varieties of masculinity are on display here. You know how we talk about how a well-written female character can be like Ripley in Aliens or Marge in Fargo, sure. where they can go from being very feminine to very masculine. And if it's well-written enough, we, the audience, believe it. Like, yeah. we buy into it. Yeah. And really, this movie does have that on the flip side, where there's all spectrums of masculinity, because we have Robert Paulson, who has breasts, no testicles crying crying very effeminate like he's bashful about swearing but he goes to fight club like that's where he like regains his sense of masculinity Mm -hmm. and with feminine roles like it's important that they don't just like shoot a gun or like kick and wear tight pants like they have to maintain a level of what makes them feminine in order to like keep the character like Marge is pregnant and Ripley's like fighting for her daughter, Newt or, you know, surrogate daughter. So you can kind of see the flip side of that in Bob because like he's got breasts, he has no testicles, but he still goes to this fight club and like fucking like kills it.
0: I would still argue against the idea that to regain a modicum of masculinity, you have to, destroy or be violent against something if that's the case there are other outlets for it but i mean the fight
1: club like he wasn't destroying anything necessarily there it wasn't until really he got into project mayhem that he started destroying things because
0: real fast why does he get to fight with his shirt on i thought that was a rule of fight club
2: sixth rule no shirts no shoes he's got
0: those tits so that exempts him? I mean,
1: they exempted him. So I'm going to say yes. Like, I don't make the rules. Maybe it's in the book. Okay, go ahead. Herein, for me, lies like the good part and the problem of the movie where they have a variety of masculinity on display. Like, it is sort of nice to have Meatloaf, who's on a feminine spectrum of masculinity. And he's still just as much a part of Fight Club as anyone else. He's not seen as a man in the rest of the world, but he is in Fight Club. And i really wanted to like extend that to like the rest of the
0: film and i really struggled for well, it well i mean it's there a little bit because then when you start thinking about marla who is the only female oh, character we haven't in the... talked about marla yet who yeah. like i love and like you know let's be real here
1: we all know women who are a little <laughs> bit like marla <laughs>
0: Helen Bonham Carter is choice in this role. She's really great. <laughs> like, I love her. Helen Bottom Carter is a great actress. Like, who else could go from making, like, remains of the day <laughs> to Fight Club? I know. She's, she's fantastic in this movie. Like, that scene when she... Not a hint of an English accent, by the way. Like, she sounds American she... to me. No, she has a very
1: thick... I think it's Irish accent. Because I remember seeing her on, like, late night talk shows. It might be, yeah. And, like, you almost can't understand what she's saying and she's clear as a bell yeah, in this movie. I was
0: looking for it too. She sounds great. But so so she's in the movie I think almost as sort of a foil in a way. I'd have to like ask a woman and see what they feel about this, but it almost seems like there is this acceptance of femininity cuz it starts off like uber feminine like with the crying, you know, testicles. You know, castration, tits, blah, blah, blah. And then later he goes to the other extreme, which is just like sweaty, chiseled, fighting. And then later he sort of realizes that, like, no, Marla is the thing that makes me more human. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think that that is an important aspect of this is to realize, like, Tyler or Jack, Tyler realizes that, like, oh, you can be both like i don't have to be like either this super beta cuck or like this super alpha male there's a middle ground that makes more sense for m- the majority of the population like you can still have like emotions that make you sad when you buy something and be like i'm not just buying things and you can also say like You know, I don't want to punch somebody all the time. There's the middle ground.
1: If I remember the book correctly, it's that the narrator came up with the Tyler Durden persona to fuck Marla because, like, he felt inadequate. So, like, he came up with this hyper-masculine persona in order to, like, successfully fuck Marla. And then this hyper-masculine persona took on a life of its own and I don't know if that really
0: comes across in the movie. Well, then that's problematic if, like, the whole reason he came up with Tyler Durden was so that he could fuck Marla. like That is bad. So I, but I thought the movie makes it seem like Tyler Durden comes about to help him deal with his existential crisis.
1: Right. So I have a question in terms of the movie's philosophy. When did Tyler Durden – like, when was he created? Was it before the narrator started going – to the support groups or was it after okay so the first glimpse that we see of tyler durden is when the doctor tells him you want to
2: see pain swing by first methodist tuesday nights see the guys with testicular cancer that's pain
1: when the doctor's telling him this we get a, a quick just like splice of tyler durden which makes me think that tyler durden is created out of the narrator going to these self-help groups, but it's when he's going to these self-help groups that he starts crying and sleeping.
2: Babies don't sleep this well.
1: So then I think like, oh, when he's sleeping, he's actually Tyler Durden because he didn't see Tyler Durden before going to these support groups. It was once he started going, but once he started going, it was also when he was sleeping. If the narrator made him up it is important to know at what stage in his life he made up tyler because it says a lot about why tyler was created depending on when he was created
0: sure i don't think the movie answers that question that and that and like because we're on a roller coaster with this movie Mm -hmm. i went from Feeling the same feelings I've had about it, whereas, it like, this movie's hypocritical and stupid, to doing some research and realizing, like, oh no, this actually is a pretty smart movie that tells you everything you need to know. And then thinking, going back down and thinking, like, well, but no, it doesn't. It doesn't tell you enough. Like, it's not great at getting its point across. Like, if the idea is to be your own person and not be a sheeple one way or the other, then I don't think the movie is a hundred percent successful in telling that tale because like watching it for myself, I don't want to brag, but I'm a smart person and like, I didn't get that. I got like watching it on the third viewing. I get it now, but I don't think that's my fault. I think the movie should be a little better at like making that assumption. And then that makes me like, I don't know, once again, now I'm wavering because it's like, well, I think I kind of like it then because it's like, if I have to do the work, then that makes it good. But
1: It's a fine line between what questions should be unanswered in a movie and what questions should be answered. Because, you know, you don't want to wrap everything up in a tight little bow. Yeah. But at the same time, if you leave like too many open ends, like that's just maddening and it makes your film seem unfocused. Mm -hmm. My other problem with it was that, you know, and this falls more into the purposely unanswered questions, I guess. But at the end, so, you know, Tyler is effectively killed at the end, but the buildings still blow up. Like his scheme, Project Mayhem, still goes through. Sure. So looking at it from a classic drama standpoint, which is how I look at every story, is that Tyler is dead, which is good. That's what our hero, the narrator, wants. But Tyler's plan still succeeded, so the villain got what they wanted as well. But, so then my question is, is it a happy or a sad ending? And my feeling on the matter, to answer my own question, was that the way that the story is being told is that tyler's overall message even though his methods were bad that his overall goal was good to like erase the credit history of however many people the tone of the ending is kind of happy everything's gonna be fine
2: Very strange time in my life. Also, the Pixies
1: song, like, just... It brought me back to, like, when I first watched this movie and, like, didn't know who the Pixies were at all. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm, like, 16 and just discovering music
0: for the first time all over again. <laughs> so, okay. So, if... uh, Bringing everybody back to zero is the goal and it's the ultimate good goal. Like whose idea is that at that point? Like it seems like Tyler wins.
1: Well, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like even though Tyler and the narrator are the same person, I do treat them as two separate characters. Right. At the very beginning or not the very beginning, but near the beginning, uh, the narrator is like,
2: if I saw something clever, like a little coffee table in the shape of a yin yang, I had to have it. And that's
1: the, what they're portraying here. One's the yin, one's right. the yang. But yin. then he
0: accepts that Marla can be the one of those two. There's a,
1: you know, a connecting factor.
0: She's the table that
1: bounds them both.
0: <laughs> Question for you.
1: Airplane etiquette. Do you want Brad Pitt's crotch or ass? Uh, ass! Oh, that's what I said. Okay, I'm going with it. Yeah, me too. But he gives the crotch to that stewardess. He gives the ass to Edward Norton, but...
0: The we haven't talked about the homoeroticism in this movie (laughs) yet and -hmm. I think that it's very important the scene where he's in the bathtub and he's like we're a generation of men raised by women
2: I'm wondering if another woman is really the answer we need
1: I thought that was so sexist
0: I thought that that was like an an implication of like maybe we can just fuck each other (laughs) I mean I wish I just saw lots of homoerotic tension between the two of them and oh yeah was into it this time right? <laughs> and also no, like
1: i i know i didn't watch that yeah.
0: bp can get it in this movie like i was just <laughs> i know that he is like a projection of what hotness is supposed to be in Ideal late 90s yeah I get, it, I, get it, I get it i get it i get it i get it but they nailed that <laughs> damn i want to bang him in this like he looks great. Yeah, he looks
1: real good in this. It's it's like upsetting because he, he is a piece of shit. Yeah. But no, it does not change how much I want to have sex with him.
0: And I mean, I mean that plays into this too where it's like you, you see these idealized versions of people's bodies like in the Gucci Out or something like that. And it just makes you feel bad about yourself. And that is exactly why Jack or whatever the narrator would make tyler durden look like that you know this is my idealized version of what a hot man looks like so it makes a lot of sense it makes the movie troubling though because it's like you don't want that i don't know like that's the problem with me is like it it flip-flops between being cynical and being Mm, my um, favorite (laughs) between being cynical and being what's the opposite of cynical earnest earnest and it never really settles like it never picks like which way it wants to go
1: yeah for me like i was watching like 75 percent of the time i was like this is hyper masculine neo-buddhist neo-hippie nonsense and then like 25 percent of the time I was like, "Oh no, it's actually anti all those things because like yeah. the narrator like realizes that like these things combined is actually very bad." But it's not
0: strong one way or the other, and that's what's frustrating.
2: No,
1: I feel like it's really strong. All the things I hate, <laughs> and then like kind of against the thing, like kind of on my side yeah. at the end. I want to be on this movie side in in terms of like being satire or comedy or something like that, but I don't know if it's actually compelling in being on my side and being against those things. So, I don't know. It, it It is a complex array of emotions. Yeah. Would you say that you like this movie more or less
0: than the last
1: time you watched it?
0: More. Yeah? Yeah. I, I'm willing to admit that I was wrong in that i didn't analyze further than my initial emotions but i was right in uh when that moment comes up on the bus that uh that's a signal that something's up and this movie's trying to say something about itself so i was right there wrong not to analyze it further you get partial credit (laughs) seen the honest trailers uh of this no it's fun because it, it definitely like just underscores all the hypocrisy oh yeah that I- goes on in this movie
1: follow jack slash tyler on their quest to save us from
2: all of our first world problems advertising has us chasing cars and clothes Working jobs we hate, so we can buy s*** we don't need
1: as they tear down our society of mindless consumer slaves by building a society
0: of mindless actual slaves. It really lays it out in a very succinct three-minute fashion. Anyway, I liked it more this time.
1: I really enjoy <laughs> this movie. Like watching it is a thoroughly enjoyable experience because David Fincher, like, he's just he's on his grind here. People love it and I kind of understand why they do, but I don't love it.
0: And I used to hate it, but watching it on third view, I understand why people like it a little more. So I think we're, we've reached a compromise. Yeah. There's no no need to shut down the government.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's coming up next week?
0: I want to do something weird. Are you ready for weird, Matt? I am ready for weird. This is, Harkens back to our original movie sharing things. So I doubt you've seen it since I made you watch it a hundred years ago. This is the 1988 stop motion weirdo classic Alice. Oh, okay. By Jan Schunkmeyer.
1: Yes. On the tip of my tongue. <laughs>
0: it's weird. It's a singular movie experience no one talks about it i think we should okay
1: i'll talk about it and yeah i definitely have not seen it since you originally made me watch it
0: it's a little bit of a nightmare movie it's kind of scary
1: yeah a little bit very creepy live action like claymation alice in wonderland yeah it's
0: a little weird yeah it's creepy 88 minutes of creepitude matt would you like to plug our junk and get the fuck out of here
1: yeah we're on spotify now so you can listen to us there uh along with all the other podcasts listening stitcher apple podcasts any place you get your podcasts, you can now get us it feels good to be on spotify it does feel good to be on spotify
0: why don't you send us ideas for what we should do opening banter about through our email x.rated.movies at gmail.com unless you want more of what you heard of today please send <laughs> us ideas ask us questions send us ideas we will talk about them on the air and we will DEF give you a name check follow us on Twitter at
1: xratedmovies also a place where
0: you can ask us questions to make part of our opening banter or follow us on Facebook at ratedxmovies one more time another place where you can do that You can check out all of our content at xratedmovies.com. Yeah, like
1: literally everything. And in like, honestly, in my humble opinion, in an easy to read and navigate format.
0: It's not a humble opinion, Matt, because it's right. It is a beautiful website that we designed with squarespace.com who have yet to send me a check, but not upset because we have a beautiful website.
1: If they could just give us the website for free, I'd be happy.
0: (laughs) Anyway, thank you for joining us today. Uh, We look forward to having you here next week for Alice. Keep reaching for that rainbow.